Hello and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. In today's episode, I want to answer the question, how to choose an investment manager. And if I was to choose a subtitle for this episode to kind of describe the concepts I really want to hit on, it is answering the question of what is luck versus skill in investing performance. As an investor, especially as someone analyzing investment managers and someone that you're willing to put your money with to be managed. You want to understand what is luck versus what is skill. This is a hard question, but I think that today I'm going to cover some of the key concepts that you need to think about for this question. So if you stick with me today, I will go through each of the key concepts that I think is relevant in choosing an external investment manager for your your money. And this would include um, managers of ETFs, managers of mutual funds, um, hedge funds, or just a specific manager that manages a custom portfolio for you. Now, this is the DIY investing podcast. So a lot of my content is focused on people who want to manage their own portfolio. But also there are times and breakpoints in your life where you might want someone else to manage a portion of your portfolio for you or all of your portfolio for you, whether you want to spend that time with family, spend that time doing other things, or have some sort of diversification from your own personal investments. Many people who listen to this show like to invest 10, 20, 30% of their portfolio on their own, but outsource 70 to 80% or 90% to another investment manager um, that they consider a more professional manager. So those are the concepts I'm going to cover if you stick with me in the next 20 to 30 minute podcast. And I will answer this question, how to choose an investment manager. So as we dive on in, I want to touch on the first key concept. And that concept is choosing an investment manager is a lot like choosing a stock. And this is really the problem that you face if you're trying to choose an investment manager. You see, one of the reasons you might choose an investment manager is that you want more time for family. You want more time Um, to focus on your career and raising your income. You want to do something else besides evaluate stocks each week, each day, each hour. And so you're trying to outsource the process of building, growing, and preserving your wealth. Well, the problem you would face is that if you're going to successfully choose an investment manager, you have to put some time into it. Now, you don't have to. There are alternatives, and I'll touch on those. But putting time into that decision is helpful if you want to make a good decision. So just as I recommend on this podcast throughout is if you're doing due diligence on a stock, you also want to do due diligence on your manager. And so I'm going to touch on the pieces that I think you need to do due diligence on and what you'd like to understand as Uh, an investor with an investing manager. So when you're investing with a manager, you want to make sure you don't invest in anything you don't understand. And since this includes the manager, you need to understand the investment manager. You need to understand what is their process? What are they doing to drive their returns? Because what you'll see is it's very easy to see what their results are. 
But results are driven by process. And so if you're trying to break apart this luck versus skill dynamic, you need to understand their process. Just like you'd understand a business's fundamentals, you need to understand the fundamentals of an investment manager, which is their process. And so I'm going to touch on some key points of their process as we continue forward. And so then the next question you need to ask is, how do they earn alpha? And do you need alpha? Because not every investment manager is even trying to earn alpha, and not every investor needs alpha. So that's kind of the overall framing. And so I think the place that we start is just like when I'm developing my personal investing strategy as an individual investor, I focus on my financial needs because that drives what kind of returns I need, that drives kind of what volatility I need to handle. Um, I would do the same thing when thinking about an external investment manager. And so to do that, ask yourself the question, what are your financial needs? Are you looking for wealth preservation? Are you looking for wealth growth? Do you need alpha, which would be outperformance above like an index fund? Or do you just need beta? Is the simple index performance acceptable? And here I want to delineate index performance doesn't just mean returns. It also means certain amounts of volatility. It also means um, certain fee structures. It means certain exposures to broad market risk, certain exposures to various things in terms of like your liquidity and such. And so think about what your financial needs are. You know, when I was mapping out my personal financial needs, I thought about what level of returns do I need to achieve my financial goals in life? And I determined I wanted a 10% annual return each year. Now, when I'm doing my investment process, I then structure my whole process around what kind of stocks do I need to buy? What kind of um, industries would allow me to achieve a 10% annual return. And then I think about, well, what sort of volatility risk do I have? And so I structure everything around that. Well, when you're doing a financial plan that uses an investment manager, it's the same thing. You need to think, where am I in my journey? What returns do I need? So if you need wealth growth, that's going to lead you to a different manager, potentially, than if you need wealth preservation. Because wealth growth might mean you need 10%, 12%, 15% annual returns. And so you might want a manager that at least has the potential to provide alpha because maybe the index can only provide 8% annual returns or 6% annual returns. And so if you need 10, 12, 15%, you're gonna have to find a manager that is at least using a process that would allow for alpha. You can't, always, you can't guarantee it, but if you don't, allow for alpha, then you're not going to get that high level of wealth growth that you want. On the other hand, if you're already rich, if you're already a millionaire, if you've already achieved a lot of your financial goals in life and you're looking to retire, and so maybe you're 60, 65, or maybe you're 50 or 70, and you want to retire for 20, 30, 40 years and live off the money you've already accumulated, well, that's a different investing strategy. So you want to find a manager that can fit that investing strategy, or at least structure a custom portfolio that allows you to do that. You see, wealth growth is going to lead to more of a focus on concentration, more of a focus on finding ideas that can outperform versus wealth preservation is going to lead to 
trying to find maybe a strategy with more diversification, more focus on finding very high quality, low volatility companies that are paying, you know, regular growing dividends that can keep up with inflation and various things like that. Now, there's times where the companies could be the same in two different portfolios, but maybe your allocation to those is different. So uh, a a wealth preservation strategy might focus on 20 stocks of 5% each, but a wealth growth strategy might be the five stocks, 20% each. And so you need to understand what you need due to your specific financial situation. And so if I was to reiterate this portion of the podcast, it would be, do you need alpha? Not every manager can provide it. Not every manager is trying to provide it. And not every investor needs it. So you really need to think and internalize that question if you're going to decide on a good investment manager for you. Next, again, let's keep inside our head as we go through these key concepts. Choosing an investment manager is a lot like choosing a stock. And so the next three items I want to address is to think about like how I would a stock, think about how I'd like a manager. And so I'm going to talk about value, growth, and quality. We're going to pause one second and think, if you're listening to this podcast and you're enjoying what you hear so far, go ahead and give me a like or five stars on the podcast. Pause. Give me five stars right now. Go ahead and click that subscribe button so that you can get notifications as new podcasts are released. I really appreciate the subscriptions. I really appreciate the likes and five stars. That really helps me grow the podcast. So let's dive right on again. As I said, I want to now address value, growth, and quality in the framework of choosing an investment manager. So value, what does value mean when we think about investment management? Well, here it quickly becomes about cost. How is the manager paid? What is their expense structure? How does it compare to alternatives? And so in this framework, you're going to think, what are the management fees? And a management fee is the fee that you pay as a percentage of your assets. So if you're investing $100,000 with a manager and you're paying a 1% management fee, which would be pretty normal for, say, a mutual fund, then that would be $1,000 a year out of your $100,000 portfolio. And if your portfolio were to double to $200,000, then your fee would go from $1,000 to $2,000 as well because it's a fixed percentage of your total assets being managed. And that would be like a 1% management fee. Or you could have like a 2% management fee and then it's $2,000 for every 100,000 that you invest. Something like that. Performance fees is different. Performance fees can only be charged basically to accredited investors, uh, which would be people that have incomes of over 200 grand a year as an individual or over 300 grand a year as a couple um, or with assets of over a million dollars. And so performance fees are typically used in structures like hedge funds instead of in mutual funds or ETFs. You wouldn't see these in ETFs or mutual funds because of some of the restrictions from this SEC. But performance fees are, are things where it make it's like a percentage of profits. So instead of paying a fixed management fee of, say, that 1% per year, you might pay 10% of profits or 20% of profits. So if you had $100,000 and then you grew to $120,000 because you earned a 20% return, and let's say you're paying a 20% performance fee, well, then 20% of that growth might go to the investment manager. And the idea of this performance fee is that it aligns your incentives with the investment manager because you don't pay a fee unless there's growth. 
And so for this example, if you went up by 20 grand, 20% of that would be $4,000. And so you'd pay a $4,000 fee. But if instead your assets declined or they failed to hit a hurdle rate and hurdle rates are basically the minimum return you'd expect each year, um, then you don't pay any fee at all. Versus a management fee, if you started at $100,000 and you lost money for the year, you're still going to pay that management fee. So in my next podcast, I'm going to be doing a whole podcast on fee structures and what I think of those two different setups and how I would do it for my own personal investment funds that I manage. But we'll leave that for, for the next piece. But it's just thinking about those structures, how are they paid? What are your alternatives? Because you always have an alternative of managing yourself, paying no fees at all. Um, and then you have alternatives of stuff like investing in an index fund and paying relatively low fees, you know, 0.1% or something like that. So that's how I think about value is what is it? What do they cost? What are you paying? What's that structure look like? But again, that's just one aspect of that manager. You can't just choose the cheapest manager. You don't necessarily just choose the most expensive manager. Um, it's just one aspect. Just like in a stock, the P.E. ratio is just one aspect of the stock. A lot of times I see when people talk about um, professional managers, they really just think about, well, I need to have the lowest fees possible. Well, sometimes the people that charge lowest fees are giving you the least value. And so you need to really understand that just because something's cheap doesn't mean it's better. Um, growth. So growth is an interesting thing to think about in terms of the investment management industry because Investment managers are going to inherently benefit from a growing AUM. AUM is assets under management. So that means, you know, if, if an investor is managing um, $10 million, then they're going to make less money, all else equal, than if they were managing $100 million or a billion dollars. And so no matter how you set up the incentive structure, investment managers are always going to have a benefit from having their AUM grow. And so it's, it's not really avoidable. And this is regardless of the pay structure, regardless of if they're paid with management fees or performance fees, just the more money they manage, the more money they would make. And so what you're really trying to ask yourself in terms of growth is what drives that manager? Are they passionate about investing? Is this something that they do for fun, that they're doing because they're excited about it, that they would do even if they didn't get paid? Or is this a money-seeking endeavor? Because Investment management is one of the highest paid professions that you can go into these days. And so it's not uncommon that you attract a lot of people into this industry that are doing it just for the money. And so what you would want to filter out is you're trying to think about when you analyze what a manager says, how they talk, how they market themselves, are they doing it just for the money? Or are they passionate about investing? Is this their passion? Are they doing what gets them excited? Are they you know, just trying to optimize and do things as they think this is just really interesting, this is their niche? Or are they doing it because you know investment managers can get paid a lot? And although your returns are what matter in the end, I really think that passion is really important here. You wanna find a manager that is not doing it just to get paid because if they're doing it just to get paid, then they can structure their incentives to not be aligned with yours. And it's hard enough as it is to get incentives aligned between an investment manager and an investor. There's a lot of trouble getting that alignment right. So it's really a qualitative assessment of that person 
What kind of person are they? Just like you'd analyze the management of a company before you invest in their stock, you analyze the manager of an investment portfolio before you invest with them. So all managers are going to be trying to grow their AEM. That's not a black mark on its own or a red flag on its own. But one thing you can look for is like, do they plan on shutting down growth at some point? Do they have a history of shutting it down in the, in the past? You know, do they talk about the limits of the size of their strategy? For instance, I invest in micro caps. And so in order to invest in micro caps, there's a limit to how much money you can run doing that. You can't have a billion dollars or $5 billion portfolio and invest regularly in $50 million companies, $100 million companies, $200 million companies. It just doesn't work very well. You know, good rule of thumb that is it's hard to invest in a company that's smaller than your AUM. So if you run $50 million, it's hard to invest in companies less than $50 million even. And so you want to get an understanding, like, do they plan to shut down growth at some point? Like, what are they trying to hit? And you don't want to set that too, hurdle too low. It, it would be relatively rare someone that's going to shut down growth, you know, below a hundred million dollars or something like that. But if someone's not, if someone's trying to get to a billion dollars plus management, but they're trying to target like micro caps, well, that just doesn't work. But if they're investing in the S and P 500 stocks that run, you know, the $10 billion companies, hundred billion dollar companies, a trillion dollar companies, well then that strategy alignment makes sense. So, you know, for me, that'd be something that I'd be interested in is shutting down growth. It's trying to keep and focus on smaller strategies. And so it's something that you have to think about when you're assessing people is where do they plan to grow and how important is that to them versus how important is focusing on the strategy they like doing. So I've covered value and growth. And so next up is quality. So when we're talking about quality of a stock, when we're talking about quality of a business, we're thinking competitive advantage. We're thinking of unit economics. That sort of thing. And you can you can apply similar thoughts to investment managers. And so I broke it down into three categories. So quality is competitive advantage, communication, style. So competitive advantage. How is this investment manager different from other investors? What is their secret sauce? What makes them unique? What is their unique value proposition? What do they do different from everyone else you hear about that would allow them to achieve success that aligns with your financial goals. So if you need alpha, what do they do to help create alpha? Again, they can't guarantee it, but like, what are they doing that could lead to that outcome? If you need a certain level of return, do, does their process align with achieving that return? Some people's process are going to be great at achieving an 8% rate of return with very low volatility. Some people's process is going to be great at trying to achieve a 15 or 20% rate of return, but the volatility might be much higher. So you need to think about what their advantages are, how they differentiate themselves from other investors. If you can't clearly see how they differentiate themselves, what do they do different? What statements do they make about their process that strike you as unique, that are different from maybe what you would do, or that are different from what other investors are talking about? And how do they differentiate themselves? Because if they don't differentiate themselves, then they probably don't have a competitive advantage. They probably don't have something unique that is really driving their overall performance capabilities. Second piece here is communication. So one of the things that you need to think about and becomes crucially important when, when choosing an external manager is how do they communicate with their clients? Is this quarterly um, 
Do they have like quarterly letters? Do they have annual letters? Do they write an annual letter to shareholders? Do they write an annual letter to partners? How frequently do you want to be able to communicate with your manager? Do you want to be able to call them up, you know, every Friday to talk how they're doing? Um, do you want to be able to get an idea of regular updates from them? Or do you not need a lot of regular updates from them? And then not only that, but what does that say about them as a manager? So if a manager is willing to talk and focused on talking with you one-on-one um, -on -one all the time, that can be a good or a bad thing depending upon what you want. If they are a trader and they're doing high frequency trading or they're doing day trading, then talking on a daily, weekly, regular basis with them could be maybe helpful because it gives you an idea of what's going on right now. How are you handling Russia and Ukraine? Versus if someone's talking to you on a lower frequency, if someone has you know just an annual letter or a quarterly letter, um, and those are infrequent updates about the actual performance of your portfolio, then it means they don't have to think as often about performance. They can focus more on process. And so those communication thresholds can be helpful because it also means is when you com can communicate with your manager, either directly or passively, that's how you can learn about them. And so it's often hard to evaluate a manager if all you can do is read their letters um, or their writings unless they write a lot or communicate a lot. So like one thing I do on this podcast is I communicate my process on a regular basis. Now it's not one-to-one -one with individuals. It's like one-to-many. I can talk one to a hundred people, one to a thousand people, one to 10,000 people. And people can tune in and learn about my process without talking to me directly. And so we're able to focus on process and not results because I'm talking about my process through a podcast. And there's many investors that, you know, whether it's myself or others, who they can communicate to potential clients and current clients using a podcast because that podcast facilitates communication on the areas that matter, which in this case is process. So it's process over results. And so by communicating process through a communication meeting like a podcast or videos like YouTube or something like that, you can learn about a manager faster without interrupting that manager's investment process with one-on-one -on -one communication. So communication really is trying to answer the question, do you understand their process? Are you comfortable with them? Do you trust them? Those are the things you want to understand before investing money with a manager. Because if you don't trust them, if you don't understand what they're doing, if you haven't learned and had some idea of what that manager is doing, then you're unable to get analysis of how they can help you, how their process is going to be beneficial to you. So thinking about communication is very important. Next is style. So in terms of quality, again, we had competitive advantage, communication, and style. So what do I mean by style? So what are the size of stocks that they are trying to buy? Are they buying large cap, mid cap, small cap, micro caps? Um, what about liquidity? Do they buy highly liquid stocks where they can move in and out quickly in a portfolio? Do they buy low liquidity stocks or do they not have a liquidity as part of their style? Um, are they value investors, growth investors, quality investors, momentum? Where do they see themselves in that style range? Do they buy overlooked companies? Do they buy companies in an index or out of an index? Do they like to hug an index? And then do they concentrate or diversify? Again, there's no one right answer on these pieces. So like I focus on micro cap stocks. I like low liquidity. I like value stocks that are also high quality with good growth. 
I like overlooked companies and I avoid investing in companies in an index. And I also like to concentrate. Well, that style pigeonholes me into certain things. So when I'm trying to approach that style of small companies, illiquid, um, overlooked, um, a highly concentrated portfolio, I'm structuring everything I do to try and seek alpha and outperformance. Now, there's no guarantee of that, but my whole strategy is geared towards how do I maximize my potential return? And so I'm trying to get those incremental improvements by doing things other investors aren't willing to do. By going on to smaller companies, I have a chance to outperform because there's less people I'm competing with. By focusing on low liquidity, there's a chance of outperformance because less people are willing to accept illiquid companies. Um, by focusing on high quality, I think that ha- improves the chances of long-term returns. Um, by focusing on overlooked companies, again, it's all about a competitive advantage that less people I'm competing with. And I don't buy stocks in an index because I'm trying to reduce my market risk. So it's interesting when you think about market risk, what that means is like if the market is crashing, what's your likelihood to crash? If the market is going up, what's your likelihood that you go up? My portfolio is structured in a way where by not buying stocks in an index, I am reducing my exposure to the market. It doesn't eliminate it, but it does reduce it because if someone sells off an S&P 500 index fund, then that means that everything in that index fund has to drop, you know, some marginal amount because they were sold off. But if you don't own any companies in the index fund or you don't, your companies aren't owned by any mutual funds or any index funds, then you have some buffer from whatever the market is doing. Likewise, by focusing on concentration portfolios, I'm setting myself up for, you know, basically an idiosyncratic portfolio. There's a good chance of, there's a decent chance that I could outperform and there's a decent chance that I could massively underperform. All it's doing is it means that I'm not hugging whatever the index is doing. I'm, I'm trying to seek alpha versus other ways of doing it can also seek alpha, but that's how I've structured my style. And so what you're trying to do is evaluate a manager by what is their style and why are they doing it? Because you can situate yourself any number of ways within these different style frequencies that still seek alpha. And you can structure yourself any number of ways in this style frequencies that still seek um, wealth preservation. But you need to understand what an investment manager is doing and why they're doing it. It doesn't matter exactly what they're doing. What matters is why they're doing it because that why shows what goal they're trying to achieve. And that why also lets you evaluate, is it luck or is it skill? And so we're going to get into that in just a second. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of the the key concepts, though, is a custom portfolio versus an investment fund. Some managers are willing to build you a separate customized portfolio just for you. And other managers are only willing to operate, say, a fund structure like a mutual fund, an ETF, or a hedge fund where you own the same thing as everyone else. Depending upon your financial goals, depending upon your needs, one or the other is could be a good fit for you. And so you need to understand, what do I need? What would be the best fit for me? Do I need customization? Um, maybe I like an investment manager who focuses on alpha, but I'm you know, we're a retired multimillionaire and I would like a focus on, you know, preservation. And so maybe the manager has what I think they need to do that, but 
if if I just invest in a fund with them, I'm going to be stuck in a highly um, risky portfolio when I'd like a less risky portfolio. Well, some managers will set you up a customized portfolio. Um, other managers won't. And so if you, you want to look into those options of, you know, do I need a custom solution or am I willing to take a, an overall fund? And oftentimes you can, you know, find a fund that works for you. Um, but there's pros and cons for having a custom portfolio versus um, part of a fund. Okay, so I've communicated the key concepts for how to choose an investment manager. You want to think about choosing an investment manager is a lot like choosing a stock. There's going to be that initial due diligence. We're trying to learn about that manager, learn about their process. What are they doing? And there's also going to be maintenance due diligence of as you've been, been investing with them, you know, just keeping up with what they're doing. So you need to think about, well, how am I going to keep up with them? Am I going to read their annual letters? Am I going to monitor their, their investment performance on a certain basis? Do I judge them quarterly? Well, if I think long term, maybe I shouldn't judge them before three years, five years, 10 years. Um, Am I going to keep up with them by reading their letters to understand their process? Am I going to keep up with them by listening to a podcast or watching videos where they talk about it or seeing interviews they do? What is my process for doing that maintenance due diligence? But really what we're trying to answer too is when we think about a manager, you're trying to think past performance. How does it matter? Is it luck versus skill? And I think it's very difficult to analyze this. It's hard to analyze a portfolio manager based purely on past performance. Now, certainly it can be helpful if you have a 50-year record like Warren Buffett. And you can say, okay, well, Warren Buffett has a 50-year record. You can see the skill embedded in such a long record. But often when you're choosing an investment manager, um, you can either choose someone with like a 50-year record like Buffett, and then you just go and invest in Berkshire Hathaway, or you're choosing someone with a shorter record. And if you're choosing a shorter record, you know, a three-year, five-year, 10-year record, it can be really hard to differentiate luck versus skill. And so what I think is important is to focus on their process. Their past investment performance over short time periods, and, and three, five, and 10 years is still relatively short, um, has a lot of trouble differentiating between luck versus skill. But oftentimes, if you understand their process, you can understand whether their past performance has been driven by luck or skill. Are they doing things that are very luck dependent? You know, are, are they day trading? Are they speculating? Are they making big bets with options? Well, there's a lot of luck involved with those things. Or are they doing things that have a detailed fundamental analysis process? Do they deeply understand the businesses that they own? Do they deeply understand how returns happen, the differences between hold return and and growth over time and sell return and trade return and, and how do they position themselves within the industry in order to capture the most return with the least risk. So if you understand their process, you potentially understand the odds of them having future outperformance. And again, that's even if you need outperformance. Not everyone needs outperformance to be successful for their own financial goals. So I hope this helps you think about choosing an investment manager. Again, this concept is helpful for some of you. And some of you, perhaps from having listening to this podcast or listening to my past show podcast, have realized that although you like managing your own money, you don't like doing it with all of your portfolio. You only want to do it with some of your portfolio because maybe you don't have the time 
to put in to really study companies to the degree that you think is necessary. And so you want to outsource some of that time to an investment manager. Or maybe you've been doing it and it's fun, but you want to refocus your time on other things like spending time with family, um, going on vacations, or really growing your own income instead of growing your portfolio's return. So that's when outsourcing to an external manager can still be helpful even for DIY investors. And so I wanted to put this podcast together because I think it's an important concept that is talked about often um, within the community. And I think it's helpful to understand the framing of how to choose an investment manager and the overall thought processes. What are your financial needs? What are your goals? And understand an investment manager like you would a stock. And the nice thing is, when you are trying to choose a stock, you're repeatedly having to do that over and over again. You're trying to find new and new stocks all the time. And so you might have to research not just one stock over time, but 10, 20, 30, 100, 1,000 stocks over the course of 30 years. But when you're choosing an investment manager, you don't need 10 investment managers or 30 investment managers. You just need one, maybe two or three, depending upon your wealth levels and, and the need for diversification. Um, but it's a shorter process. And it's something that can be value add even for those that manage their own money. So secondarily, if you are interested in investment management services, if you're interested in me potentially helping you manage investments, reach out to me, Trey at DIYinvesting.org and reach out to me in email and we can have a conversation. Um, currently have a wait list for those who seek investment management services. And so if that is something that you would potentially be interested in, um, reach out to me, Trey at DIYinvesting.org, and we can discuss in private. Thank you for listening for this podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe um, to this podcast. Give me five stars and share it with your friends so I can continue to grow the audience. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast.